Hi there, welcome back to another episode of Social Media Manager Confidential. If this is your first episode, a special welcome and shout out to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if this is not your first episode and you're coming back every single week, thank you so much for being here and DMing me on Instagram to let me know what you love about the show. I appreciate those of you who have left five-star reviews. Every little review helps. I am really excited to chat today with Shelly Terry. We have known each other for, I don't even know, years, probably within the first few months of me starting my business, so almost five years now, I want to say, but we actually were able to get on a phone call or video call together for the first time ever, long overdue, and we chatted about just how social media the landscape is constantly changing and how to stay on top of things and how to be organized and flexible in your business. And we also talk about different softwares you can use and running a micro agency with a team and just all of the amazing things. So let me go ahead and introduce you to Shelly Terry. Social media management is notorious for being high pressure, competitive, and changing literally every day, which is why it isn't surprising that most social media managers get burned out within the first two years. So how do you keep going? How do you stay up with the latest updates, protect your mental health, and build a successful social media management business that supports your lifestyle goals? Whether that's working from home with your kiddos or jet setting around the world, that's what this show is all about. Welcome to Social Media Manager Confidential. I'm Shantae Gorman, founder of a six-figure social media management agency and mentor to social media managers. And I'm here to dish on the ins and outs of the social media management world without any of the gatekeeping that can come along with it. You'll learn, you'll laugh, and you'll leave each episode inspired. Let's dive into today's episode. Shelly Terry, and I am so excited to chat with her. We've known each other for years now, but this is our first time actually like having a, a sit down conversation. Normally it's like DMs or voice memos. So this is nice. Hi, Shelly. How are you? I am good. Thank you. And like I say, so nice to finally talk face to face. Yeah, it is nice, especially with like the different time zones because I'm in Chicago and Shelly's in the UK. But let me do a little intro. So this is Shelly. She's a storyteller and creative with over 12 years of experience creating content for brands, developing solid social media safety nets for businesses that need to be visible, and building a lovely team of freelancers that make up her micro agency, Sheldon Social. That's me. (laughs) Yes, I love that. I'm definitely going to be asking you questions about the micro agency. I love that term. So I guess that kind of just leads us right into it. So what is your current business setup like? Flexible is probably the easiest word to describe it. I mean, you've been in this a number of years as well. It just moves so fast. Things change so fast. New platforms arrive. Yeah. What we did strategy-wise last year doesn't work this year. So over the years I've been doing it, I've learned that you need to have a system where you can change things and it's not going to set fire to the system you've got. You need to be able to pivot and change as you go along. So I think that's probably where my business is at at the moment. Ooh, I love that. Okay. So you have a team of freelancers that make up your micro agency. And how does that kind of factor into how you run things? So 
I'm very much the face of my agency. It's not large. It's not, you know, it's not faceless. I'm not a brand name. I never really had the intention of that. But I need flexibility. I have, well, my daughter now, she's seven. We have six weeks off for the summer holidays. We have two and a half weeks for Easter, you know, two and a half weeks at Christmas. I can't be in the business all the time. And neither do I want to be. Also, there's that. Right. So I needed it to be, you know, so we could take time off when we needed it. So I needed a structure in place where I could still be me and all of the incoming clients speak to me. I onboard everybody. I put the proposals together. I am their point of contact. I do their strategy. But in terms of the delivery, so some of the content writing, some of the video editing, I work with other small business owners who are freelancers. They're not big companies either. So we can deliver on whatever it is that the client needs. So at the moment, my daughter's at school. I'm doing a lot more of the copywriting. But I know in July, I probably won't be doing hardly any of it. And my copywriters will help me and they'll take the brunt of the work while I need the time away. I love that. And I think that's one of the best things about like running your own business and being a freelancer is you get to decide how you spend your time and, you know, adjust it and shift things as needed, which is, I mean, I'm a mom too. So when my kids are home with me, I'm definitely less productive and rely a lot more on my team. And yeah, I think it's great that also your, your freelancers have the flexibility too to kind of fill in where they need it to. So it's like a joint effort. I remember a few, I don't know, weeks, months ago, you'd said something about how you structure your days with when it's downtime and the children are home, you switch off. You don't scroll. Yes. The computer's not on and you're in mom mode or partner mode. And then when you're at work, that's the hat you put on. And I think when you have a system, not even a system, a network of people you work with regularly, it allows you to do that a bit more. And you can switch off knowing that, you know, if you get a new client in, you've got that help to help you. Yes. And that makes such a difference in being able to switch into mom mode at the end of the day and like not have to check my email and not check the notifications. And I think setting business hours is helpful for that as well. So clients know like they're unreachable at this specific time, like don't expect a response. And I think all of that together lets me prioritize, you know, being a mom. Or even just prioritize being Shelly. Just yeah going for a walk or doing something I want to do, whether that is just sitting down on Netflix and watching something that is unrelated, that's all on my own. Yeah, those boundaries really help with that. <laughs> yes. And I even, I have spend my weekends unplugged because I found that it helps not just with my creativity when I like come back on Monday and need to create stuff, but it just helps with like my mental health for me to mm. take that break and not be constantly on social. So I co-parent, my kids go to their dads every other weekend. So even the weekends where they're away, I still unplug. I don't get on social. I don't work. That's me mode <laughs> where I'm taking care of me. I'm like sitting on the couch watching Netflix or like doing my nails or like going shopping. Like it's not constant work mode. So I think having boundaries where it's not just, you know, mom hat, but like take care of yourself hat is important too. And it's making it a habit. Yeah. So I was on holiday last year 
and the three of us were at the beach and I was sat down on the, like, the little beach tent and my husband took Phoebe to the water's edge and I opened my phone and I checked my emails. And I said to myself, what am I doing? I didn't even want to check them. I hadn't thought I'm going to do it. Before I knew it, the phone was open and I'd opened the app. And that was a real turning point for me. Yeah. If opening an email on my phone becomes a habit, so can switching it off. So can unplugging for the weekend. Mm -hmm. But it's down to us to take the steps to put those habits in. And like any habit, they take work. But when they're in, they kind of take care of themselves a bit more. Yeah. And I think it's, it becomes like so much muscle memory or like a habit, like, oh, I'll just click on my email and scroll through it real quick, or I'll open Instagram and check the notifications. Apple and Instagram, for example, have gave us some more features where we can, you know, turn off notifications for a set period of time, or you can like lock out an app for a certain period of time. So like on the weekends, you can't open it. And so it just kind of gives that extra little barrier where it's like, oh, wait, I can't open this. I'm not supposed to be doing this right now kind of a thing. So I think that can kind of help us get into the habit of not constantly checking it. Absolutely. It's like having our own little gate. You know you can open it, but it's just you've got to pause before you can do it. Right. It gives us like that that second mm. to be like, oh, wait, let me be mindful <laughs> about what it is I'm doing. <laughs> so how did you get started in social media? All completely by accident. I used to work as a professional actress, and if anyone knows, you don't get a lot done in your day. You have other jobs to do, but you don't do anything creative. You might be learning a monologue or a song, but you don't have anything to produce at the end of the day. So I started making greetings cards, and I ran an online arts business for a number of years. So this is back when literally I was just on Facebook, <laughs> wasn't yeah. anywhere else. And found a small network of people that I really got on with and we kind of supported each other. And then one of them just happened to say, do you think you could help me with my social media? So I started with that. And I think I was paid about $50 a month for posting. But it was just that confirmation to go, okay, she knows she's getting a good deal and is happy to just let me play around with it and see, find my feet. And that's how it started. And then... And local business I was in touch with needed a one-to-one -one help because she wanted to get her dress shop on Facebook, which led into a bit of public speaking and talking about social media back, back in the day. And from there, it's just evolved and grown into what it is now. But it's definitely changed an awful lot with each, each year that's gone by. Yeah. And just with the platforms changing and our lives changing, like... I don't think there's a single year that has been the exact same for no. anyone in the social media industry. I also think that's sometimes why we love it that much. Yeah. Because you get to the point where you're comfortable and you've got all the creatives down and then you need to think again. And sometimes you'll moan about it and think, oh, you know, <laughs> I don't like this. Why have they changed it on me again? And then, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, it gives you lots of ideas and you change things up. And I haven't been bored running this company. Yes. And I think I've probably felt bored in pretty much every other profession or job that I've had. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a positive way to look at it too. But mm. I think it's the constant challenges and like changes, they kind of keep you on your toes, which if you're a creative person, I feel like most of us 
kind of enjoy that. Maybe not always because no. sometimes it is a pain. But yeah, I think it it's part of why I love it as much as I do is because I don't get bored. Like you said, there's always something new to be learning or trying. So that's kind of what makes it fun. And how do you find that? Because you work with a small team as well. Mm-hmm. So how do you find that creativity when things do change on a, a platform and you have to tell them that we got a whole new strategy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they always get so excited when I do that. <laughs> uh, no, I I love scrolling on social and just consuming content that is far outside of like any industry, out of sight of my industry, outside of my client's industry, and just getting ideas from places you wouldn't normally expect. And then I also, I show up regularly on my own socials, mostly so that I can continue testing out new strategies and things before I bring them over to clients. And so that's part of it too, is I test things out. I do research. I I'm a huge data nerd. So like I'm always in my clients analytics and being like, this performed well, why did it? Here's what we're going to try to pull out of that for more stuff. And then once I get like a solid strategy, here's what I want to try. I will present it to my team with like a step-by-step answer any of their questions. And then we give it a try, but it takes a little bit. Once we like pivot the strategy, if it's something totally new, it does take the team and I a little bit to get like in a good streamlined workflow for that. And then it feels like, you know, a few months down the road, it's time to change things up again. So it's very much about being organized. (laughs) And setting expectations with our team, I suppose, that they know that their role, not even that their role will necessarily change, but that what's expected of them to deliver their role is likely to shift and change as they stay with us. Yeah. And that's something that we've had to implement a little bit more recently is we used to batch content, you know, three, four weeks in advance, but now things change so quickly that we're having to cut back on how far ahead we get as far as like the creative and like the formatting and things Mm -hmm. like that. So we're adjusting our timelines while still not having to like work up until the deadline. So we're still figuring how that works with all of our schedules, but it's, you know, there's always something different. <laughs> there's always something changing. And I think yeah. if you do have a team of people, like I have freelancers as well, setting expectations and letting them know, you know, we're figuring this out together. It's unique to ourselves and our team and our unique skill sets and our schedules. So let me know, like having an open discussion about how it works, who needs what, if something's taking longer than you originally thought or things like that. I think making sure you have that open line of communication is really important. Absolutely. We're going to take a really quick break from today's episode so that I can tell you exactly how to stop wondering where your next social media management client is because you can just use my list of the 35 best places to get more social media management clients instead. Get the free guide delivered straight to your inbox by going to my website. I'll link it in the show notes for you. Now, back to today's episode. What are your favorite and least favorite things about social media management? 
my favorite thing is that we can be flexible with the majority of the things we do. So we can design graphics ahead of time. Video editing can be done, captions. I can plan my calendars for clients two months out. I try to do that where possible. Like you say, there are more current issues with getting that advanced. <laughs> that I've not missed any of my daughter's plays at school. Yes. Because I've worked around it. If she's sick and she's home, I'll work in the evenings when she's in bed. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not an evening worker. <laughs> First thing in the morning, I'm good. In the evening, I'm more likely to make mistakes. But I can manage. So being able to be in control of how my business is set up, how I run it, when and where I work, that's really important. And the ironic thing is, I like working at my desk. I don't like working, you know, out in the sunshine because I can't <laughs> see the screen properly, but I have that choice. Yeah. And that's the important thing. So that's what I love the most. What I don't like the most, that's a really good question and perhaps one I should have thought of a lot harder on before I came <laughs> on. Probably client churn because I've been very lucky with a lot of my clients that they've stuck around for a long time. But the flip side of that is it makes me quite comfortable. So lead generation is quite often at the bottom of my to-do list. Yeah. And it's not until you lose one of them and you go, oh, I'm supposed to be doing lead gen. This is what I tell people they need to do in the social <laughs> media. I am not doing a good enough job. Yes. And even though my lead gen, a lot of it comes through networking and word of mouth, you can't rely on that. That can't be your only way, in my opinion. I mean, maybe for some people that works really well, but for me... I don't feel confident enough to only rely on referrals. Yeah. So that that's, I think, probably what I like the least. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think for most social media managers, it can be difficult balancing like marketing your business while you're marketing other people's business. And like you said, if you have a full roster and people have been around for a while, you get comfortable and, yeah. you know, marketing yourself kind of goes to the back burner because you don't need to until all of a sudden you do. Yeah. And the, the thing is, I'm always on social media. So for my agency, one of my specialisms is for other marketers. I do safety net marketing for people who need an active presence all the time. They take care of the sales and the other parts of marketing. So I always do have a social media presence, but I don't always get that copyright with finding new clients out of that social media mm -hmm. yeah must you better <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult when you're marketing for yourself versus someone else it's like we're too close and it's hard to look at it objectively like we can for our clients absolutely and do you know what that's part of the reason that a couple of years ago I'd hired you to help me with my mm -hmm. social media and I'd read your post and think oh I'm pretty good <laughs> do that that's me but it took you to write it for me to be able to see it yeah and sometimes you do just need another viewpoint or someone else to to work alongside with you with you to do that yeah or we like overthink or second guess ourselves and when someone else comes in and they're like oh here you're you're doing great here's what you're doing really well and then you're like oh I, I guess I do know so yeah I yeah. think having that Second opinion is helpful. But you know what? That second guessing, that second guessing is what keeps us on our toes for our clients yeah. and keeps us doing a really good job. We don't get lax with the work we do for them. Yes. We don't get complacent. We watch for mistakes and errors. And that's what keeps us 
doing a really good job and performing well for them. Yeah. So like with most things, we can see it from both ways, can't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you definitely have to like always be learning, always be growing. Basically expect social media to change at any moment. It could be one thing today and tomorrow could be totally different. And when you expect that, it's a little bit easier to go with the flow, I feel like. Absolutely. Who knows if Twitter will exist when this podcast airs? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one's an interesting one to be watching for sure. I don't do any Twitter marketing, which is it makes it a little more entertaining to watch on my end. But I imagine if you market on Twitter, which I think you did, do you still market on Twitter? I do. And two thirds of my clients I have are on Twitter. So we do do that. Ah, so it would be probably more stressful for you then to figure out what's going on with that and like how you can help your clients. You'd think so, but not really. Okay. Because there's nothing really to figure out. We just don't know what's happening with it. Yeah. Elon Musk is making lots of changes. Some people have said they actually really like the changes. Okay. The majority of people are not enjoying the changes <laughs> and it hasn't affected our strategy yet. They're still building a presence and getting involved in the conversations. That's good. If anything really significant happens, then maybe maybe I'll rethink that statement. <laughs> um, but at the moment, it's we're just taking it week by week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's all you can do when it's outside of your control. So is there anything you wish someone had told you before you got started as a social media manager? Get serious quicker. So I've been, as I say, I've been in business doing social media for just over 12 years, which sounds great on paper when you're talking to a client. But the fact is I was coming up along the same time as sort of Amy Porterfield, Gary Vee, all those mm -hmm. people. They weren't the big celebrities they were when I was starting out. And I don't feel I did as much as I could have to keep up with those people coming through. And actually, you could start a social media business today and be more successful than many people like me who've been at it a long time. Length of time doesn't matter is what yeah. you do with the time you have right now. So if I could go back, I would think this could be massive. This could mm -hmm. be a huge thing for me and I would work differently. That makes a lot of sense. Is there anything specific you feel like? So like a lot of people who listen to the podcast are new or just starting to be social media managers. Is there anything, I guess, in that direction that you would give them specifics for what to do or not to do? Yeah. So document your processes. A hundred percent, your processes will likely change from now to this time next year. That just happens. The bigger you grow, different industries you choose the number of clients you work with, all those processes will change. But start documenting from the very, very beginning. Not just because if you bring in someone to help you, you've got something to hand over to them straight away, but just so you don't need to think about that process when you're talking to someone else. Now, I know you have the template shop, so there's going to be lots of things in there which people will be able to just you know, purchase, download, and they've got that process already. But even sort of, you know, checklist of I send an email that says this. I send a proposal that needs to include this. Really simple steps. It doesn't have to be difficult steps, but document it while you can because you'll get to a point where you're too busy to document it and you'll need it. Yeah. And I think it helps you feel more confident and like you know what you're doing when you've actually like thought it through and like, oh, okay, this process does make sense. Yeah. 
And you can't see holes in your process till you document it. You don't know what won't work. So note it down. Exactly. It just makes your life easier. (laughs) So you mentioned that how you organize clients and build out their processes using Notion was something you wanted to chat about. And I'm very curious because I've not used Notion, but I know some people really love it. So can you tell us a little more about that? Okay. And I'm I'll send you a video. I will show you what it looks like. Okay. So I started organizing in Trello, which is a lovely application. It's really visual, which I need. I need to see things and it's colorful. So I know you'd appreciate that. Yes. (laughs) But with Notion, you get a very similar interface, but it can be much more complicated. It's based on databases. So you could put all of your information in one database, but it changes how you look at it. So you can see that data as a calendar. You can see it as a plain list, as a gallery, as a Kanban board. So you can manipulate how you see that data, which means when you want to present the data as a client calendar for approvals, your client will see it as a calendar. Mm -hmm. But for you, you can change that view if you need it as a list. It basically works in web pages, and it's just a series of nesting web pages. And then you can give each data point some uh, labels, which means in your database, you could toggle those labels and only see Instagram posts. You could only see a particular client or a particular team member. And then the really good thing is you can duplicate the database into other pages. So I have a page for my team and all it shows is the work that the team are doing but it's still that big database of all the client content. I love that. Now, this would be much better if you all could see pictures and a walkthrough right. <laughs> of what, what it looked like. But essentially, you you use the same data that you would, whether it's their captions, their hashtags, all their links, all their images, but you organize it in a way that you can manipulate how you view that. That would save a lot of time. So it's yeah, yeah. very powerful. Yeah, I love the idea of filtering it based on what you're looking for of like Mm. team member who's working on what is it Instagram posts or something else that that sounds very very useful and so for uh, to give you a tangible example if your client writes blog posts and you repurpose those blog posts into captions I will always use their blog post caption as the social media caption and then you create all the content in the web page But if I'm going back through their blog and think, have I written something about that? When did we write about that? I can copy the blog post title into the database and search it, and it will list me all the times I've used it if I save those pages. Wow. So I know when we've done it, and I've got those posts there. So in terms of like reusing them, it's a copy-paste job. Yes, you update it. You might update the graphic or, you know, change your hashtag Mm -hmm. strategy. But the actual bare bones are all there for you to work with. So it's a really great way to archive all the content you do for your client. I love that. That's very useful. Does Notion have like paid plans or is it all free? It does. I can't remember exactly what the paid plan allows you to do, but I run my agency on it. And I think this year was $56 for the whole year. That's not bad at all. No, no. So maybe $6 a month I'm paying for that. And it is the probably one of the tools I use the most in my business. Very cool. Well, thank you. I think a lot of people are going to appreciate you telling them about about that. Um, I can see why people love it. 
you feel like it works really well from like a client experience perspective too, where they're not overwhelmed? It does because with the client view, I have it as a gallery. So they get the visible picture and then the caption underneath with dates. Okay. And you can copy that view. So they only see the content that's ready for approval. They don't see any of your other workings or, you know, drafts. Mm. So they have one link that you send them when you need the approvals done. And it only gives them the data that you want them to look at. And you can have little checkboxes. So they have a checkbox to approve and that's all they need to do. And I have it set so it disappears from their workflow. As soon as they check that it's done, it's gone. That is amazing. I love that. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on here, Shelly. It's been great chatting with you and actually seeing you face to face. (laughs) I know. I know. As I said before, it's completely long overdue. Yeah. But voice notes are fine too. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit easier. But yeah, we'll have to make sure we do calls a little more frequently. That would be nice. Where can people find you? So I'm everywhere at Sheldon Social. If you can't find me on one platform, try another one and you'll get me there. <laughs> yeah, just be lovely to talk to talk to people and come say hi. Yeah, definitely. I will have everything linked in the show notes for listeners so they can click on it, go over, chat with you, let her know that you listened to the podcast episode and really enjoyed it. Thank you for being on here, Shelly. Thank you. It's been really lovely to catch up. Yes, absolutely. I'll chat with you soon. Uh, Definitely going to have to chat with her more. She's so lovely. And make sure you click the links in the show notes to go connect with her. She is such a gem, so sweet, and cannot wait to see those Notion videos that she's going to be sending me. If you have any friends who are social media managers, share the link to this episode with them and help them out. And if you're not already following this podcast, make sure you hit the follow button or the plus button in Apple Podcasts. You can get brand new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every Friday. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Learn more about my digital template shop, online courses, and mentorship program by going to my website at sugarpunchmarketing.com. And while you're there, make sure you join my safe, supportive community created exclusively for social media managers. It's 100% free to join and packed with really amazing resources, trainings, and people. See you next time.